Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 12. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. We just had an episode on Sunday giving our immediate thoughts on the Steelers preseason victory 27-15 over the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night at Acrisure Stadium. But Dave, uh, a day past all that, go through the all 22, some signings to talk about, always something going on. How you doing? You're not going to hit me with any queen this morning. I'll, <laughs> I'll save it this time. <laughs> you're, 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 you're spoiling me. I found something else to be mad at uh, Ooh, uh, 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 since yesterday. Uh, went through last night uh, watching the all 22 on the offensive line and, and uh, specifically because I didn't have a good feel uh, initially after, after the run throughs of watching the offensive line specifically and seeing how much Spencer Anderson, uh, actually moved around, uh, man, couldn't they get, uh, couldn't they get that kid a left tackle snapper <laughs> so he could hit for the cycle? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I didn't realize though. He played four positions. I, I thought it was either. just the two. So that was, that was a good nugget by you. Yeah. I, you know, you, you get, well, here, here's the thing because, you know, Obviously, as those as preseason games, pres, uh, 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 you know, get into the second half and all like that, you got a lot of a lot of moving parts in there. And he didn't even, I don't think, took his first snap until uh, what was it, the third quarter, I think. Uh, and, and he came in at right tackle uh, there, and he, I, I guess, it just kind of got lost in the shuffle, at least in my mind, when, when when going back through the TV tape initially there of how much you, I knew he had moved over to, I think it was uh, left, I think it was left guard at that point. So I, I, I thought, you know, for sure in my head, he had played two snaps, but I, you know, went through the all twenty-two last night, series by series, and all like that, and yeah, he played, uh, he ended up playing uh, four of the five. Uh, positions on the offensive line with the uh, left tackle being the only, you know, position that they didn't. And they only had, and that, you know, I posted about this last night. They only had three players uh, in total on that offensive line that played multiple spots in that game. Uh, Spencer Anderson obviously played four spots. Uh, Ryan McCollum played both guard spots, no center. And then, Good old LaRaven Clark played uh, both uh, tackle spots there. So I guess that, too, kind of uh, explains, I, I guess, a little bit of what they did with uh, and, and and with them wanting to get Anderson some snaps at, at, at right tackle there. I guess that, that, that explains a little bit of why, because even Jones came in and out of that game, I think, mm -hmm. two times two times in there. So I guess they just wanted to get, get a look at, 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 you know, a couple of these rotations yeah. here. And I think the other kind of main takeaway at this point through two preseason games, well, I'm just jumping right in at this point. <laughs> you are. Uh, uh, so sorry about that, but uh, uh, I don't think we've seen Roderick Jones play any right tackle. Have we? No, he's not taking a single snap at right tackle in training camp or, of course, inside a stadium. So he is a left tackle, and as of right now, a left tackle only. 
what is it what is what does it mean what does it mm-hmm. mean uh you know uh you get into look i mean i they're trying to get him as many snaps as possible i think that's evident at at, at this point with with Broderick jones in the preseason and you know obviously moving into this last preseason game i would imagine he's going to play quite a bit are we going to see him any at right tackle and I, mean, I don't know about you, but LaRaven, LaRaven Clark's look like LaRaven Clark mm-hmm. uh, so far. There's no way LaRaven Clark makes this 53, right? And and and, and if he does, if he doesn't, you know what's what's the move if if Moore is your starting left tackle, and obviously Chukwuma Core for your right tackle. What's the move if you have to go to the bench there? Well, I've been saying that for a long time. You know, back in June, probably talking about, you know, if we assume for a second more is the left tackle, what is the backup right tackle plan? How much work would Jones get at right tackle this summer? I didn't expect much. I thought he might get something. He's got nothing. So here's my thought on that. And I mentioned this before as well. If that happened in game, Dan Moore is going to shift to right tackle and Jones is going to come in at left tackle. And they've actually, I don't know if they've done so intentionally, but in training camp during some of the team periods in the middle of that particular 11 v 11 session, they would take a core four out and move up uh, more from left to right tackle, almost simulating moving over on the fly in the middle of a, of a team period. So I'm pretty confident that's going to be their, their backup plan at right tackle. Okay. And have we, I don't think we've seen any Dan Moore in the preseason at right tackle. Have we? No, he's only been left tackle. Uh, preseason. Right. He's yeah. Because he's coming out with the starters. Uh, he's only played 17 snaps, yeah. uh, in, 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 in total there. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess you're right then on, on that because unless we see, you know, any, and any, they could do Anderson if Anderson was active. I mean, that that's an option, but I think right. more is more likely to shift over. All right, so that's where we stand on the offensive line, uh, especially on 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 the rotations right now coming out of uh, the second preseason game. They use eight combinations once again in this second preseason game. A little bit different how they manipulated uh, that, and you know, I suppose with uh, Herbig being Nate Herbig being down, it 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 caused a little bit of you know different things there. And Kendrick Green, he only played center in this uh, game. So uh, there's a quick uh, recap of the offensive line there. All right, let me take you out of the deep end and put you in the shallow end of the pool for just a moment because I want to get to a reported signing the Steelers have made. It's not been uh, confirmed by the team yet, although by the time everybody listens to this, that may have changed. But according to Aaron Wilson, he reports the Pittsburgh Steelers have signed wide receiver Aaron Cruikshank, and that's going to be to the 90-man roster. Don't know the corresponding move there. Cruikshank, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers, undersized receiver, a return guy, uh, went to Wisconsin initially and then transferred to Rutgers. He was with Chicago until August 11th when they waived him. So he's kind of got a Jordan Bird type of background. He's small, didn't run a great 40, runner, returner, receiver, um, not entirely sure what this means. Does that mean something for Jordan Bird or Hakeem Butler, who did not play against the Bills, did not dress, I don't believe? Does that mean that Butler's going to be on the way out for uh, the preseason, preseason finale? We don't know, but it does appear this team is going to add a wide receiver late in this process. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the back end uh, of, of you know, the reciprocal move on this. Uh, did, they, uh, did they have any... Uh, Trying to remember, did they have any pre-draft uh, 
interest in, in him out of Rutgers? Not to my knowledge. I can check our pro day tracker and see who was the, there. The name sounds familiar for some reason. That's why I well, there's a, there's a Dane Cruikshank. I don't okay. know if there's a relation. He's a, in the NFL, I believe with Tennessee. I, I assume they're related. I don't know how many Cruikshanks there are, but that's, that's probably where your mind's at. Okay. Uh, Bronson Williams was at the Rutgers pro day. He's a scouting intern. So somebody was there, but it wasn't anybody necessarily, you know, not a coordinator, not a position coach. All right. That's the move there. So we'll, we'll follow up with the corresponding move that'll probably be announced later on Monday. And I think it's either going to be Jordan bird or Hakeem Butler, but we'll see. Maybe somebody got hurt that we don't know about. Obviously campus over. We can't report who's practicing. Who's not. Those types of things. So now we're kind of in the dark until the team says something. All right, Dave, we've had a day to go through the all 22. Um, and you kind of give your thoughts there on the offensive line. Let's stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. When in reviewing the tape, what are some of your big takeaways from this game? Yeah, I thought uh, Kenny Pickett was really, really good in this. Uh, some of the pocket movement in there. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, he was only in for 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 the two series, and one of those was just the uh, one play drive, uh, the touchdown to Firemuth, and and once again, every angle that you look at that, uh, the timing and everything of that, you can tell those two uh, have 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 definitely worked on that. I mean, he lets that ball go in flight, and you know that uh, that line, you know, the linebacker can't see it if his head's turned around right uh mm -hmm. and he lets that thing loose and just a ball placement on that all together was was uh was was really really good uh overall so i mean i thought you know uh pickett's been really really good uh these uh first two games and i guess you know the only question now is and we'll see if mike tomlin kind of uh adds any color to that you know going into uh, this uh, this last preseason game is how much do you play a guy like that uh, along with the first team offense who once again I think have 17 total snaps uh, going into the preseason game. Mike Tomlin said the other night that you know they're going to play all healthy players and the starters once again. But the only question is, I guess, is 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 how much at this point. Yeah, I mean, we've heard Tomlin say that about week one, and not all the healthy players played. The veterans were held out. The starters, of course, most of them, especially offensively, did play. So if you were in Mike Tomlin's shoes, based on what you've seen so far, how much are you playing the first-team offense in this game? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see him. Uh, uh, now, obviously, you can't control triple explosive uh, runs for a touchdown uh, uh, like that, but I, I think another two series would be uh, perfect when it comes to that, you know, I, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see any reason to go much, much, much longer than that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think less is more in this game. I was going to suggest just one series just to get them out there. So they're not, you know, they haven't uh, not been on the field for almost a, you know three weeks by the time week one rolls around. But there's not much more I need to see from this offense. I understand, you know, and, and Tomlin will probably make this point, And I, I made it yesterday. This offense First teamers only have 17 snaps in the preseason. They've been really efficient. And, and in some ways, it's almost a bad thing because there have not been as many snaps to evaluate. But I think they've proven what they needed to prove and show this summer. And now the goal is to get this group healthy for a tough week one matchup against the 49ers. So I'm OK with playing these guys for a series, get them out and call it a day, regardless of what happens. Even if they go three and out, I think that's that's good enough for the finale. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've I I. I, I got to admit that I would have imagined they, the first team offense would have got a little bit more than uh, 17 snaps through two, two games. 
Sure, but who would have guessed this team with all the big plays and you know 33-yard touchdown, 62-yard touchdown, and the long punt return that sets up a one-play score from Pickett to Frymuth. So it's a, it's a good situation to be in. Right. Yeah, uh, three, uh, th- three three touchdowns. Well, you'll take that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, I thought, yeah, Pickett was was sharp. Uh, I think Dan Moyes looked really good at left tackle. I think he's had a, a good camp, and that's kind of my my main takeaway offensively. I thought Broderick Jones struggled some more. I just thought some of his sets were a little bit messier, trying to refit his hands. Um, just didn't look as clean and as consistent as I thought even uh, he looked in the uh, opener against Tampa, Tampa Bay. So obviously Buffalo probably playing more of their starting caliber guys than the Bucs did. There's, there's one reason for that. But at this point, I really don't see Broderick Jones becoming this team's week one left tackle. I'm pretty confident, like 98% confident it's going to be Dan Moore Jr. to face. We assume there's a holdout, but we assume Nick Bosa and company in week one. I would concur with that. Anything else there? Well, what was your evaluation of Jones? Is that probably a fair? I just felt a little bit messier, not not quite as clean. And and I did rewatch that play back, and he did get beat for you know there was an issue with Kendrick Green on that play, but on the one sack that Rudolph took, uh, you know, it was a cross chop, and Jones missed his punch, and he got beat there. Yeah, I think you just uh, seeing his 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 adjustment to the game here overall, and. Uh, the usage of the hands is the thing. You know, I think that uh, he needs to concentrate on uh, moving forward here. And I think just like, you know, Joey Porter Jr. on the defensive side of the ball, they're just trying to get him as many snaps and a- a- exposure uh, to this thing as possible. Uh, he obviously comes out of Georgia, not a lot of starting experience overall. So they're just trying to work through some of the, the more technical. I mean, he's athletic as all get out. I mean, we, you know, there, there, there's never a question about that. I think it's probably uh, more of him adjusting to what Pat Meyer, uh, 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 you know, just, just, uh, the technical aspects that he teaches here. Yeah, I think that is one of the big things. I think Dan Moore, to his credit, has gotten really comfortable in that. Um, he doesn't, he's not as aggressive with his sets as the way the Chuck Wuma core for is. And you don't always have to be, there's a thing called a chase down set where if the D end is kind of a line wider, you can close that gap with a really, really aggressive set. And you've seen a core for take it a lot more than Dan Moore, but where I think Moore has really gotten comfortable and excelled is with independent hand usage. And Myers approach is generally using more independent hands than a two hand punch. He prefers to, to work each hand independently. So if you miss with one hand, you got the other to, to recover, you got two hand punch and you missed and you're kind of out of luck there. And I think Moore, after struggling last year has really gotten that down pat. I have not seen that as much from Broderick Jones. who I still think has to work on hand placement and punch does a nice job to refit his hands whenever he does miss. And he's a bit, you know, too far outside initially. And as you said, the athleticism is there, but I just think Moore's been really steady. Jones has not been bad, but I think there's some some technical things to work with. And I don't think he's going to be the week one guy, which again goes back to your question of, okay, who's the backup right tackle? And we'll see how the roster looks. But I think it's going to be Dan Moore, both the starting left tackle and the backup right tackle at the same time. Okay. And it'll be interesting. You know, obviously got a full season to go to see what happens. Uh, big season for Chiquamo Corfor to to make sure he 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 holds on to his spot, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. he's obviously going to be here through 2023, but then the question becomes uh, what happens, you know, a- 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 after this season, especially I think come March when he has the, the roster bonus uh, due. But uh, uh, look, I mean, Dan Moore, you know, if he starts, you know, there's room for the hook here, right? You know, uh, and and uh, you don't draft you don't draft a tackle in the first round, you know, 
and in other words, he's going to be right there behind him. So uh, Dan Moore really doesn't have much room uh, for error there uh, for for them to, to 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 think about making the switch there and getting Jones in there. I know it's way down the road, and my focus is not really there right now. But I wonder how Pittsburgh will treat the first couple of weeks because you're facing Nick Bosa in a excuse me a really good 49ers pass rush, and then you're facing Miles Garrett week two. How does this team walk the line between, you know, if Moore struggles a bit, okay, he's struggling a bit versus he's facing some of the top pass rushers in football. Right. I wonder how Pittsburgh will balance that because I assume Moore's not going to look incredible in these first two weeks. He's going to have his rough moments and get beat a time or two. That's going to lead for calls for Jones, I'm sure. But Pittsburgh may retort and say, well, he's facing, you know, obviously upper caliber players. So how Pittsburgh handles that will be really interesting. Well, you'll definitely get a good measuring stick of where Moore is in his progression if indeed he starts and, and goes through that, you know, first three game gauntlet there, if you will. Uh may, maybe Bosa will just continue to <laughs> Oh no. It, it's getting pretty late, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean you have to think that Bosa's gonna yeah. uh, uh sign at some point. Now now will they have a pitch count on him on week one? You know, what if True. he's you know, uh, he, here we are. I mean, we're what, twenty days away from this this uh this game and he's not even in camp is he no he's actually it's a right. true old school holdout that's going to incur the fifty thousand dollar fine per day that can't be rescinded but he obviously feels that strongly about it now i, I don't env- envision bosa not keeping himself in shape to some degree but you know you you uh uh to some degree you you, you like these guys to get get you know some work you know, uh, uh, before the start of the season there. So that, that's something that's a whole different category, but something worth paying attention to, uh, Kendrick green, you know, this is like the old, uh, phrase that you say, besides that, how was the play Mrs. Lincoln besides the, the bad snap? I mean, I, I didn't think the, the actual tape was terrible. There were a couple of decent reps and I believe not that we put much stock into it, but PFF didn't grade out green horribly and i'm sure they dinged him pretty good for that that uh you know early snap there um he did get pulled back once on that play that broderick jones allowed that pressure around the edge you know green's issues are are snapping consistency and anytime he has to slide and pass protection whenever he can kind of somebody's head up on him or rushing down the middle he's actually i think done a decent job and there were some decent run blocks of him kind of moving some people in that game but i mean obviously just the execution of snapping the football is a is a terrible problem for him yeah, was that your article uh, this morning? Uh, no, that was that Matthew. Was Matthew, yeah, Matthew. Uh, once again, it, it all comes down to where's your level of trust with Herbig then uh, behind him, and it's it's going to be interesting to watch these final, I guess, nineteen days, if you will, or probably even a little less than that, because they probably want to get. Uh, well, the the final cutdowns of a good week before that, so I would guess in about. Uh, what, 14 days? We'll know who the uh, backup center is. Is that about right? I mean, I think officially 15 days by then, but what cut down is August 29th. I think I said before the 31st. I apologize. It is the 29th. I imagine by the end of August, we should know just based on the moves that they've made. Because if they bring somebody up waivers, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, they could do something last second, but I think by the end of the month, we should at least, you know, based on who they've added or who they haven't added, know. I mean, this has gone kind of the way I envisioned it going with 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 Green this offseason. Uh, and I, I tell you what, if Nate Herbig is 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 healthy with that shoulder and can play uh, Thursday night, <laughs> I try to get him some snaps at center. 
Oh, 100 percent. The question is, if he's not healthy, what do you, he's, you know, you're going to go with your backup center with nine snaps in the preseason. You, you probably do it unless you add somebody yeah. outside. I, right. I, I was taking a look at Green's snapping issues, and he's had a couple that were offline that Mason Rudolph did a nice job to bail him out from. And what I've noticed is, and this is not this is not an issue on the uh, the, the bad snap that resulted in the, the turnover, but whenever Green has to move to his left in the blocking scheme off the ball, he has a tendency to snap to the right of the quarterback because he's moving to his left. His momentum's kind of taking him that way. And, and it's not an excuse and he can't do it and it's a big problem, but that's actually what is happening with him on all the offline snaps that he's had. The one total miss against Tampa Bay, a couple others that Rudolph has had the corral. Green has moved to his left every single time. So there's an actual just, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a technique execution issue, but that's the commonality there. On the one against the Bills, I don't want to. I, I don't know if this is the the case, but I wonder if Green felt like Buffalo was offsides on that play because one of those guys moved at the, right right as, as the ball was snapped, and right after the snap, McCollum, the left guard, was like pointing to that and signaling offsides. I wonder if that's what Green was thinking. Again, not an excuse. He cannot be the backup center, but I wonder if that was his thought. Uh, as far as the rest of the offensive line went, I mean, you know, in in their limited play against against Buffalo, I thought I was going to say Amalo good. Uh, uh, Cole being able to to reach and turn on that on, on that run. I mean, just the blocking. I mean, the blocking up and down on on, uh, on that offensive line, uh, and then coupled with uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, uh, obviously down the field and making the, the really the key one to to spring Warren. Uh, I thought that group was fine. Uh, I thought I I went back and I clipped the uh, Spencer Anderson illegal hands to the face and tried to zoom in it. And I, I, I guess for it is so hard to see there, but it looks like he did get that, maybe that hand on the face mask uh, 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 there that caused that penalty. Uh, I thought for the most part, Anderson represented himself well, especially for a guy that had to play uh, four different uh, positions in there. I thought Dylan Cook, once, once again, uh, you want to talk about someone who's kind of, kind of coming out of nowhere. Now, I don't think he makes the fifty-three, but I think he's legitimate practice squad mm. uh, 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 material there. Uh, who else do I have down in here? Uh, I mean, right, everybody else really just kind of mad. Ryan McCollum. I mean, uh, Kevin Dotson. The uh, Raven Clark just didn't look great at all. And man, I think he, I think Mike Tomlin uh, really wanted to see something out of that grouping that they had down in there, down at the goal line. Yeah. Uh, No push. Yeah. They, they, they didn't do Anthony McFarlane uh, any, any favors in that situation uh, whatsoever. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty evident. Yeah. You know, obviously it comes down to numbers, you know, Uh, I, it feels like it's going to be nine, on that offensive line and the, and, and we're back to the only question. I, I think, I think Spencer, I think they're grooming Spencer Anderson to be number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the only question is, is it Kevin Dotson or is it another outside center? Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. I think Anderson will make it. I think they really wanted to take a look at him. I think they like his competitiveness in football IQ, and the tape's been pretty good overall for as much as they put on a seventh-round rookie's plate. And yeah, I think it. I think you're right. It comes down to Dotson, and I, I don't know what to make of Kevin Dotson. I'm going to continue to kind of be conflicted. There's talent, but I see. You know, I, I think he's a frustrating player. I don't think he's a good scheme fit. I don't know what they're going to do with him. 
Uh, wouldn't you want something when, when talking about those those line rotations? I mean, you went out of your out of your way to get McCollum snaps at both guard spots. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you have used that opportunity to make to to get Kevin Dotson opportunities at both guard spots? If you, it feels like a sense that. We really want to showcase him maybe at left guard for, for, for what you see where I'm going down here. I mean, if you really had intentions on, on keeping Kevin Dotson, wouldn't you want to see him more at right guard throughout this preseason here or no? I don't know if that's where my head goes. I guess I, it's hard to maybe, evaluate. Maybe I've just got my tinfoil hat on, you know, uh, too tight here, but uh, I, I was, I, that, that was something that was running through my mind. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't gotten a ton of work at right guard uh, this summer. I know he's gotten some. He played some on the opener against Tampa Bay. He is dealing with that shoulder injury, so they may want to limit some of his snaps there. I don't know what the exact snap count on him was in this game. I know he played, you know, a fair amount. But, you know, McCollum, he's played both guard spots. It didn't really surprise me too much. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if if they keep Kevin Dotson and they keep Anderson as, as 8 and 9, then your backup center's got to be Herbig, correct? That would be correct, sir. All right, so that's, and hopefully, yeah, I really hope he can play against the Falcons. I have no idea if he'll be able to or not, but really hoping that he can. All right, I agree. Um, one, Dot, I, Dotson, I, Dotson, by the way, uh, 29 all at left guard. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a place he's gotten a lot of work at, so they just maybe just wanted to, to keep him there. Maybe, you know, if I want to put my tinfoil hat on, they wanted to keep him at left guard because he's played there the most, and they want to make sure he's got the best tape possible if he's a potential trade candidate, as opposed to working him at right guard where he hasn't played in a long time and might not look quite as good. Well, that that's that's why that's kind of the uh, uh, the whole I was starting to go down there. Okay. You know, uh, you know are, are they trying to showcase him here, here at that left guard spot? You know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I guess I, I I see where you're coming from there, but it's obviously hard to read into. I had one, and and people might yell at me for this, and I've actually made mention of this before with Deontay Johnson. Um, I think he's had a really good camp. I'm excited for Deontay. Um, this is not. This is going to sound very like old newspaper head kind of griping. I just wish he would celebrate with his teammates more. You know, he's, he's throws that really good block on Jalen Warren uh, for the touchdown. And then he just doesn't run out, run into the end zone to celebrate with Warren. I mean, you see Calvin Austin, you see, I think it was Gunner or somebody else ran down there and celebrated with him. And, you know, Deontay's been a guy that doesn't typically join his teammates in the end zone for celebrations. Well, well, wait a minute on the, on the fire move. Didn't he, didn't he chest bump with uh fire move on, on his, I, okay, I, I don't remember I, on I that one. I could have sworn that I saw, uh, I could have sworn that I saw him celebrating with, 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 I think Firemuth after that. Maybe I'm wrong, but no, he might uh, have, I mean, I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I, I he might've been more in the area there. I guess sometimes when he's kind of like not close to the end zone, he doesn't always run down there. I don't know. It's, it's probably a dumb gripe by me. I just noticed that kind of over the years and, and maybe that's some of the frustration he's had for not finding the end zone or just whatever. I'm not trying to accuse him of anything. I just kind of had that, that note there. Look, and Warren went out of his way to make sure after the game to to credit Deontay Johnson on that block. So I wouldn't think there's a rip between those two. Reasons. No, I don't think it's no, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think it's just kind of the 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 approach that that Johnson takes because it's happened. You know, last year it was happening a ton, and I kind of talked about it briefly. So I don't think it's an issue of that. And yeah, Deontay, you know, had a great block on that play. Like it was, you know, a, a key. And I, I pointed that out pretty quickly. You know, that that's the second, third level type stuff this offense needs to create some of those explosive runs. So it's a very, very minor thing, but I did 
Because, I mean, you, you throw the block for the guy, go celebrate with him. But it's obviously, you know, not not a big deal. Alex Kazora, 30 going on 60. <laughs> it rarely feels like that. My <laughs> terrible t- take today is about the NFL schedule. We talked about all the griping there. So I got a lot of uh, it's the airing of the grievances, I guess, today. Uh, your terrible take clouds why I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shake my fist at them for two minutes. All right. Any other thoughts here for the offense? Yeah, I think once the backups came in, I think the O-line was kind of. I thought I thought you did a great job of pointing out that uh, swim over by uh, by Mm. Washington uh, on on that route. And correct me if I'm wrong, because you didn't show that that was the deep one down the down the left side to Austin, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I know you looked at that one. Austin probably couldn't have made a play on it. It it felt a little bit wide. You know what ran through my head though. Pickens does Pickens make <laughs> me too. One hundred percent. Pickens <laughs> makes that play because obviously he's just a you know, much taller dude, much bigger dude. I mean, it, 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 it you know, I, and and the only reason I want to look at it because you couldn't get a good view on it because it being on the far sideline on the TV angle. I want to see how close it wasn't an awful ball. I just think for what's what the skill set of Austin is, it's not a ball that we you know you're going to expect him to come down with. Uh, you know, eight times out of seven times out of 10 when, when putting that, that instance there, you know, if he's, if he had stacked a little bit better, you know, and you put that out, out in front of him, but I mean, that's a whole kind of timing thing. I, I, I think if, 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 if same, same situation there, same ball, same, everything, same positioning, uh, I, I think Pickens maybe, maybe makes that catch there. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and that goes back to my comment with Austin that, you know, he's, a, he's been a talented guy and had a really good camp and he's going to be an explosive element to this offense. But the ball kind of has to be right on him if it's anywhere outside that frame, just because he is a small guy with with without great length. He's not going to make that play most of the time. Well, I'm liking these slants that we're seeing so far uh, in, in, you know, in this limited uh, time here, Austin, that nice uh, 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 fire release there off, you know, on that one there, he's going to cause some people, some issues that can't get hands on him uh, at the, at the line of line of scrimmage there. Uh, He's, you know, you, you do that. He's, he's going, I'm going to tell you this, he's going to have a 60 yarder off of the slant this year. Ooh, I like it. Uh, I'm with I mean, you. Uh, that that speed, I think, you know, you continue to try to work George Pickens in into that uh, slant uh, uh, this year as well, too. And as we've said, as we said in this previous podcast here, I mean, they've got some weapons on offense, Alex. You know, uh, it's just how ha- ha- how you utilize these things and how you uh, read the coverages pre-snap and be able to check to some of this stuff and uh, making sure these guys you know, read their hots on these blitzes and, and all like that. I mean, if the communication's there, uh, they have the ability to work in a lot more slants uh, in this offense. And then that in turn should be, should produce a byproduct of some yards after the catch. man, you've heard Pickens talk about it in a couple of these interviews uh, uh, so far, you know, even in, in, in uh, man, how great was that uh, Ryan Clark pivot, man? Uh mm-hmm. Man, they they do a great job uh, with with that uh, pivot, especially things Steelers related there. Because you know, just kind of in the tease promo, they're 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 talking to uh, George Pickens there, and he says, you know, working on my yards after the catch is one of the things that he has to do. And and but I mean, back back to the game there, or really the pre the first pre two preseason games in general, uh, like liking these slants and and you know, you've got three guys. Uh, 
that could take it to the house in that situation. Uh, Deontay uh, Pickens and, 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 and now Calvin Austin, you know, I'm not so convinced Allen Robinson's guy is going to take one yard in, in you in those situations, but he's another one that you can uh, obviously throw that to out, out, out of the slot. Yeah. Like I said, there's a, a collection of weapons overall. It's an exciting group. And I mean, like I said, all, all the pieces are there. The excuses are over. This team has grown. They went through their growing pains last year and now it's time to put up or shut up. Uh, what else on offense there? Any, anything, anything else tied in related? Well, yeah, I was going to mention, I thought, you know, Washington, that route that he ran was good. And I thought Mitch Trubisky made a really good point that Matthew Marksy wrote about this morning. I mean, he drew two pass interference calls in the end zone on that one fade. And then one, which was kind of a risky throw by Trubisky and could have been picked there, but there was a lot of contact. And so he's, you know, Washington's a guy where DBs, you know, try to get hands on him because they're just trying to, to stay on the guy. And it, it's tough to cover him in the red zone. So to draw two penalties like that, extended that drive that, uh, created the Connor Hayward touchdown, which was a nice route. I think you made the good point yesterday that, that Hayward kind of had to bully his way through that route there and, mm-hmm. and make a contested catch. But yeah, Washington's a guy that you know may draw five pass interference calls this year. Can you see the, this tight end group now? A couple couple seasons ago, uh, obviously with uh, with 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 Roethlisberger, uh, Farmuth had what was it seven touchdowns that season, his rookie season, or was it nine? He had a bunch and didn't have them last year, but I don't know the exact number on that. He had like what was it two last year? He had seven. Is uh, he had seven touchdown receptions his rookie season. Could you see this tight end group, uh, over or under ten and a half touchdown receptions by the tight ends? A good number. Well, because I mean that that's an interesting number, especially when you look at the over under number for Kenny Pickett throwing touchdown passes. Is, mm. is 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 what eighteen and a half or nineteen? It, it, it might have bumped up, uh, 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 or maybe even gone to nineteen and a half. But you know, is nine and a half a good number? Would you take the under or over on nine and a half for for tight end touchdown receptions? Because you've got to utilize Washington a few times in those situations. You would think. Sure. And I expect him to. I mean, that's kind of how training camp went for him. Um, You know, he was a guy that had seven touchdowns in training camp that tied for the team lead with uh, George Pickens on far fewer receptions. I actually was was messing around with some of those stats last night. I know just camp stats doesn't mean a ton. But last year in training camp, Pittsburgh's uh, tight ends had nine touchdowns this year. They had 17. And so you saw almost a, a doubling of that from one camp to the next. So would I take the over on that? It still feels a bit aggressive, just knowing this team's going to run the ball a lot, especially in the red zone with the improved offensive line, and Kenny Pickett's not going to throw for 30 touchdowns this year. So I'd probably take the under, but I think in that, you know, you'll say you give Friermuth five, well, you got Connor Hayward there, but you give, you know, four to Friermuth and one to Hayward and two to Washington. I mean, it's going to be in the ballpark, but I, I might still slightly take the under. Okay. But I, I think the tight end room is is really deep. I mean, it's got a lot of talent there with Fryermuth and Washington and Hayward and Gentry as a you know probable reserve. It's a really good looking group. And you know, I think statistics bear it out too, right? About the fade in the end zone, how the, you know the per- percentage and all like that. Even if you got a big boy out there, but I mean, <laughs> like I said in that podcast the other day, you know, you need to bring a ladder. Uh, uh, when whoever you have, unless you have a six-two corner or something, uh, uh, uh guarding him, uh, I, 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 I can see a couple of uh, you know, uh, 
pass interference calls in the end zone to move the ball to the one, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and give the opportunity to, to pound it in that way. And that that's obviously hit, you know, not necessarily hidden yards, hidden yards, but hidden plays uh, in, 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 in the box score there. Yeah. And I think Washington showed that in this one. So any other thoughts here for the offense wide receivers? I don't know. The wide receivers did a whole lot, even the backups. I mean, Gunner had a couple decent plays. I thought Cody had, had a nice uh, kind of release and catch, I think off of one of those slants, didn't he? But yeah, uh, he uh, drew a call and then he had another tough catch. Yeah. So, but to me, you know, still practice squad for Cody white. And then I think really, uh, Des, uh, uh, Des Fitz, Fitzpatrick had a, had, had a nice shoestring tackle on that, on that Harvin punt. Yeah. I thought the, the punt coverage was excellent in this game. It's Boykin and, uh, Fitzpatrick. And I think Harvin, like I mentioned yesterday, might've just sewn up his spot. All right, flipping over to the defense. I've not gone through the all all of the uh, all twenty two. I've gone through about the first half. So you may you may have watched kind of the, the the second half more than I have. Back, Dave. What are your initial impressions? Uh it was good to see the safety play in this one. I uh, with, with those starters there. I thought. Uh, I mean, Minka coming down. Minka was ready for action in his little uh, limited play, busting up the uh, busting up the tight end, putting him into the running back on 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 one of those running plays. Uh, as far as the starters went, uh, I mean, Cam Hayward wasn't in there very long uh, to 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 really get it, you know, a, a solid little bit. But I mean, you don't have to worry about Cam in in all this. Uh, I'm still I'm still conflicted on I'm I'm very conflicted on who that seventh because I don't think Loudermilk overly represented himself very well in there. I didn't see Watts really stick out. I mean, Leal's going to make this team almost by default uh, in there. I, I just, I don't, I don't think a lot of people's, I didn't see any separation as far as those, those, those second team guys in this one. Yeah, I think that's a fair evaluation. I, I it's really weird. I think in game, at least Leal has been better against the run than he has been as a pass rusher. I think he's been locked up as a pass rusher and not really gotten much pressure. And he's just lacking kind of a move. I mean, he's a really good athlete, but just trying to refine his game overall. So that that's kind of got me confused. I'm really wondering. I I continue to wonder what to do in Montrevious Adams because it's not fantastic. uh, But, you know, uh, people not named Keanu Benton, you know, and, and, and the limited tape that we've seen on him so far. I mean, and. Look, Fajoko's evidently look look good in practice, sp- specifically against the run. Uh, we know Watts has the ability to move around in there, but he, I, you know, I don't know what kind of your overarching thoughts were on him was coming out of out of camp. But it's not to me. It's not like Watts has flashed in uh, much of any in the preseason here. Uh, Loudermilk had that you know little burst there, I guess, at the end of camp into that first preseason game. Uh, it, it's making this, a, this, it's making the back end of this thing a lot more difficult, uh, to decide. I mean, do you carry, because Benton's, you got, are you going to keep all three of Montravius, Benton, and Fajoko? I think it's still possible because obviously Benton's going to be kept. I think they like Belko in the run defense. He may not be active on game days, but I think they want to keep him. And then Adams may still be the starter considering he's been the starter this whole time. He's, I think he's had a you know good showing overall, and Benton has been dinged by that ankle injury and did not play 
against the Bills, at least defensively. Got a couple of field goal reps in there, but that that was it. And we'll see what his status is for the Falcons game. I mean, I'm, I'm not wrong, right? I mean, as far as these guys not not seeing any separation with those with those second team, third team guys. Yeah, I think in this game, I didn't see a whole lot. I think the, the D-line wasn't as strong in this game overall. I think it's been you know competitive for those final spots. I mentioned some of the tough cuts there and trying to decide. I mean, if you were keeping seven, which is heavier than usual, but if you were to keep seven today, who is the odd man out? You still think it's, it's Adams? Well, once again, because nobody's pushing on, you know, I, I was hoping to see more, more solid play out of a guy, say like Watts, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you view Watts versus Latimer? Because there may be a two dogs, one bone situation there. I think Watts is the better all-around player. So you think he should make it over Latimer? Yeah, but I mean, uh, I think the athleticism there uh, and the more position, you know, flex. I just think you get, and it's not. But it, look, it's not uh, like it's a sweeping landslide decision in, in my mind, but I, I just think Watts is the better player of the two. I think he is the better athlete, the better pass rusher. I think he can be a little bit more out of control, a little more erratic, a little less balanced than Milk, who's got to stay on his feet as well. Um, so it's kind of an interesting discussion there because I think Watts is more toolsy and Milk might be a little bit more consistent. Does it feel like Watts is better the closer to the center he is? I don't know if I've had that feeling, but I don't know if I've really thought about it that much. I know he played a lot of nose tackle in one tech over the last couple of years, more so than defensive end. So it might be a bit more natural to him. Um, some of that quickness off the ball probably helps when he can swim the center or kind of get in the uh, one gap and penetrate. So so that might be true. Well, here here's the thing. If you keep seven, one of them's got to be inactive, you would think, on game day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in my scenario, it's probably Fahoko if, if you go off my last 53-man roster edition. Okay. But I mean, I mean, could Adam, Adams be cut? I mean, yeah. But if you have a good camp and you run first team the whole time, are you going to get cut? You know, the tape hasn't hasn't given me the tape through two two preseason games hasn't given me any any sweeping uh, consensus view that Adams should be cut. However, I just my gut continues to tell me that he might be the odd man out here just from uh he's been with you you know what he is you look i mean he's not killing him on the salary you know as far as salary and all goes i mean you obviously want to keep uh the better player if that's possible but i just don't know how much more of a better player he is over over a guy like uh you know fahoko like a combination of fahoko watts if you will yeah so you think watts and Ladimoke could still make it um, it may, may, may not be, be an either or between those two. Is that your thought? Yeah. I mean, like uh, once again, I, I don't know how that, I don't know how it's going to shake out on, 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 on the back end with that thing. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. You, either, can, right you, you could, you could go, you could keep Watts and Fahoko, or you could keep Watts and Adams, you know, or mm-hmm. you could, uh, I mean, there, uh, or you could keep Adams and Fahoko. So, I mean, I, I don't think I've – maybe we'll get some more clarity in this last preseason game here. I think you're right. I think this game may mean as much to the defensive line battles as it will to any position battle in this finale across this team. And then you got the whole historical thing, you know, but uh, uh, look, I mean, historical relate 
history is is just that history, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the whole guys they sign early or early in the offseason. However, if you are going to give that any credence there, you would think that both Fahoko and Watts were were predestined mm-hmm. uh, 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 to make this roster. Yes, although that was mostly under Kevin Colbert. Right. How does Omar Khan approach things? It may be different. Right. Because this is his first full offseason of actually having a whole free agency to sign guys and make these kind of you know, type moves. And we don't know I, exactly what the track record will be. I, I guess we just spent 15 minutes of, of, of me to tell you I didn't learn much about the, uh, <laughs> yeah. about the second and third team teamers, uh, you know, defensive uh, linemen uh, guys uh, uh, in the second preseason, all 22. And I spent 15 minutes saying I agree. I don't know if there's a lot right. of separation there going into the finale. All right, uh, outside linebacker. I'll try Herbig. to fo- I'll try to fo- focus even even more on that group later later today if I got okay. some time and, and go through it. Maybe we can revisit this on 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 Wednesday before because that'll obviously be a day before uh, mm-hmm. the game there. But I, I just you know. Uh, you're trying to watch so much stuff at at one time sure. and, and and plow through it. There, I I, I didn't have any any real earth shattering takeaways from from that second and third team group. Outside linebackers, I think look good overall. Herbig's mm-hmm. impact, obviously. I thought Marcus Golden. You mentioned him. I thought his mm-hmm. chase after the ball. I mean, he's always been a high effort guy. I thought that was evident on the one screenplay that I think got called back for a legal block in the back, whatever it was. But you know, Golden high effort. Of course, Watt High Smith was really good in this game, making a ton of plays, coverage, effort pass rush. Um, how'd you think Herbig did against the run? Probably still some work to be done there. Just staying on his feet, keying the ball stuff you would expect from a rookie, but maybe that's one negative thing to talk. About. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I, I can think of one play specifically in that, in that first half, man, he uses that athleticism just to duck it, and get back in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, the I one where he made the tackle or you're talking a different play. Uh, yeah. He got in I, I, him in Backside. a corner. Uh, yeah, him and him in the corner, I think, got in on on one of them uh, when he was on on the on the right side when he was playing right outside linebacker. Okay, I'm trying to think. might think it might be a different play than what I'm thinking right. of. Yeah, I mean, he made some plays against the run for sure, but maybe just looking for just a bit more consistency there. And and that's probably how he's going to win. You know, as he continues to develop, that's probably going how he's going to have have to have to win uh, against run uh, initially. Is is is, is uh, not, you know, not give up on the play and use kind of his athleticism to spin off, you know, uh, and, and, and get into the play. But I, I didn't come away once again, when watching him against, against the run of thinking, Oh Lord, he, that that's awful. No, no, definitely not. But just some things to, to probably work on as you would expect for any rookie, the way that Robert Jones is working on his hands and technique. It's the same for Nick Herbeck, who again, overall high impact player. I mean, you know, not locking the game overall. He was certainly a winner from this one. Look, it's only been 40 snaps. And like I said on that podcast the other day, man, uh, he, he, I, I've seen enough. And he's going against who's the uh, Syracuse uh, tackle that's uh, with the Falcons now that I watched a lot of uh, Bergeron. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't he going to probably play a lot of snaps at at, at right tackle for the Falcons uh, uh, Thursday night? I would think. Oh man, I you want you want to circle. And here's the thing: we've you know I, I think another good takeaway with Herbig here specific specifically is that he hasn't looked lost on 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 either side here of the line of scrimmage here. And I do think that p- potentially maybe left outside might be his best spot of the two. Uh, I, 
look look for that matchup between him and 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 Bergeron because there were some questions I had about Bergeron when looking at his tape because he mm-hmm. was that you know he him and Anton Harrison were those were those two tackles that were the the next two outside of the top. What was it? Four, uh, three or four? Uh, right, uh, Paris Johnson, Skronsky, right. Jones, right? Right uh, here. So, uh, you know, Bergeron was the guy that you uh, you kind of thought looking at his tape is he a, is he a tackle or is he a guard? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I think the Falcons have him uh, plugged in at tackle there. So you want something to kind of look forward to uh, Herbig versus versus Bergeron uh, in in this game. But I I think. Uh, my main takeaway after 40 snaps with Herbig is is he he's you're going to have to find a way even in some pass rushing situations maybe to get him on on the field because I I think he can be impactful and and make some play. He's not going to come out of his rookie season with zero sacks and, <laughs> and he's not going to come out of his rookie season probably with less than three sacks if we're if, if we're being quite honest right now. Could you see some of the 2023 outside linebacker packages. I mean, they had Bud and Highsmith and Watt out there and somebody in the A gap. I mean, you can probably see a, a mix of that this year. Yeah, because look, I mean, wherever Watt is, he's going to get attention, right? Yeah, 100%. So why why wouldn't you uh, take advantage of maybe moving him around and give give opposing defenses and really Highsmith for that matter? I mean, you could do either one of those guys mm-hmm. and, 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 and move them around. Uh, there and potentially set up a one-on-one situation for you know whoever is on the outside there or Herbig or or, or Highsmith or Golden. Look, I mean, yeah. Golden and, and I, I think you kind of open open this position group with that. Golden kind of gets because of what Herbig has done so far in his snaps. Uh, Golden gets pushed to the gets pushed to the uh, as an afterthought, and he's been good. You know, yeah, he had a really good idea. You said through the holding call, a great rush that you'd mentioned on that right tackle to, to bull him and get him off his feet, uh, chasing the ball. I mean, it's just solid, solid play. Yeah, his his. And here's the thing that stuck out about his tape the, the last uh, uh, last two seasons with him is, man, he's really good at chasing stuff down on the backside uh, and additional uh, there. His, just his overall hustle. Uh, to the ball was one of the things I think we highlighted there. And you saw that on that, on that one play, I think that was called back on, 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 mm-hmm. on, on a hold or something there uh, on, on the bills there. So every, here's the thing the the tape does not lie. Usually, uh, usually what <laughs> you, what, what you see, uh, especially with new players and going back and, and looking at their last year or two of performances, you should see, on the tape, and even though it's preseason, a small sample size on these guys, you're seeing that with a guy like, like, uh, like Golden. I think you're gonna. I think my charting is gonna be as eventful as ever this year when I do the defense in the regular season because you're gonna see a lot of rotations inside linebacker, outside linebacker, all these you know three outside linebacker packages, the safety rotation, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, this team's gonna, I think, you know, use a bunch of different people in a bunch of different ways defensively. Now, have we seen Golden much on at right? Let's I can check. We have the technology. I can check my charting. I don't probably not, but I will see, see real quick here what our uh, what our master charting. I don't. I don't remember seeing him at. Uh, let's see. No, he's been uh, twenty five snaps all at left outside linebacker. Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna play this by sides. I know Herbig has flipped and played both, but I wonder if Golden's going to be the backup left outside linebacker for 
TJ Watt, and then Herbig's going to play more right outside to replace Highsmith, and that's a way to get both more consistent snaps. Okay, but uh, <laughs> Herbig looks dangerous off that, uh, and I, her, I think Herbig does. I mean, I like. I think he likes seeing the face of the quarterback. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, he could do both. And where was his sack in, against Tampa Bay? That was from the left side, wasn't it? Yes, the full sack that yes. he had. Yeah, yes. so I yes. think all of the and sacks. Even, have been even left the half, side. even the half sack, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, obviously, that, that, both are that play. might be something to look for in this fanatic. Because I mean, uh, Tomlin says that he, that you know all healthy players going to play. Yada yada starters go, going to play as well too. Maybe that's something to look for as well too. Will we see Golden get some snaps at right outside linebacker? Yeah, because it act, it's really felt like Herbig, you're right, has made most of his plays on the left side, and he just might be more comfortable there. T.J. Watts talked about he was more comfortable once he flipped, just kind of could you do stuff on the left side he couldn't do on the right side. Now, within that, he hasn't looked uh, – talk about Herbie. He hasn't looked off on that right side. Even that – I went – I had to go back and pull that uh, false start uh, uh, there as well, too. Man, he is so locked in on his get off, uh, even though it's a false start on his play, he – yeah, you know, when I say move, you move. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and that's a his get off even on that false start uh, was tremendous. Yeah, I mean the dude's explosive. That that's for sure. And he's going to stress these tackles. They're going to worry about speed, and he's going to counter with those inside spins and you know head fakes and swims to the inside. And that's how he's going to win. So I think he's got an array of moves that is going to make him tough to stop because you never know what he's he's going to bring. Uh, to recap, uh, I mean we we've been hollering about this outside linebacker depth. Uh, for a couple of seasons now. And uh, this is, it feels like this room is the best it's been. Oh, Lord. It's 2020 when you had Bud and I, Smith and Watt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you right. got a fourth guy now, obviously now, and you have Herbig and Golden there. So it's, it's you know, when was the last time they had this good of a four, if you included just, right. you know, four really quality rushers. I mean, I guess, I guess when they had Melvin Ingram for those eight seconds, then that, that was a pretty good looking room, but Anyway, uh, I, I do want to mention with the defensive line, I, I do love they continue to stem the front and they got a false start. Buffalo was really sloppy in this game, but Pittsburgh helped the cause by having that late line shift where everybody kind of bumps over a gap to influence you know those younger tight ends and guys further away from the football to jump. And they, they got them to, to jump once. They got false starts on that like five or eight times last year. So I love that stemming the front there um, at home to get these guys to move. Uh, linebackers, I thought all of them, uh, pretty, uh, downhill played, played very, very well coming downhill. Uh, uh, oh, we forgot to mention, uh, well, I think we mentioned the other day, Highsmith in coverage. I, I don't think you want to get in a, uh, make it a habit of, 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 of put, get, getting a guy like Highsmith on a, on, on a guy like Diggs, but, uh, he played that extremely well with leverage and all like that and had to, had to pass breakup on that. Uh, the inside linebackers, I thought they, they, they played downhill, uh, for the most part, very, very well. Looked like there were maybe a gap issue or, 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 or two on some of those, uh, plays there. Uh, I mean, this, this linebacker group, uh, even throwing in, you know, a new guy, Alexander, uh, th- those top four and including Robinson all seem to play downhill very, very, very well. Uh, I think out in space, you know, uh, Holcomb, I can see him getting gigged, uh, in some coverage issues, especially when having to, uh, to guard against, you know, an outbreaking route or something like that. 
and I think he did in this game here. However, when you when you let a guy like him, what you did you go back and look at that play on the interception? Yeah, you're right. He was head all over the place, and then he found the football and, and tipped it. I mean, I really think you saw his IQ kind of kind of come into play of 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 reading and 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 reacting and making sure he got himself in the passing lane in that situation uh, there. And and really, the only negative on that play is is he didn't make the interception, but at least he got a hand on it. Ball went up, and and and, and Elijah Riley did there. But uh, uh, you know, could could this team get in a situation where Quan comes on the field? I guess. Uh, when you have one inside linebacker out there. Yeah, they did run one snap a dime in this game. Who was the inside linebacker on that snap? Was it Quan or was it Holcomb? Let me double check my notes here. We saw it once, and so I was happy to see dime here in the preseason. Just to, to note it, Quan Alexander was the inside linebacker on that play. Uh, you know, we'll see. I think they're all going to rotate. I think there'll be times where even Holcomb is coming off the field and it's Alexander and Roberts. Yeah, I'm trying to, I had a note, I thought on that Holcomb uh, tip that, that Riley picked up. I'm trying to see if I have it in my notes here. It was really, I think, good pre-snap recognition. It was a three-by-one formation, you know, in the red zone. You're probably expecting a crosser backside and he's kind of looking for something coming across. And uh, I don't know, I don't know my note is that, but yeah, I think the, the recognition, he kind of knew that, that someone was going to come backside on that play and and they did. Um, but yeah, point is, I think, I, I think he did have some issues in coverage, but man, it's a hard job to cover in space as an inside linebacker. You're covering Dalton Kincaid, who's a freaky athlete, you know, rookie tight end, going to be a big player for the bills. I mean, there's like two linebackers in the NFL that are going to be able to cover that guy. All right. I think you spent a little bit, you got anything else that T- Tanner Muse, I thought had a good game and would quit Kwiatkowski, you know, missing time and, and with Muse being more athletic overall and, 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 and. Uh, at this stage, the the better special teams player, uh, you know, assuming they keep five, and it's hard to imagine them not. If it, it feels like Tanner Muse is going to be that number five, yeah, he should be. I think over Kwiatkowski. It is funny just to watch the uh, fumble recovery that he had off the Herbig strip sack. The ball just kind of like Muse is not even looking for the football. It's, I don't think he even knows it's a forced fumble or, or you know anything like that. And the ball just kind of rolling there, then it kind of gets bounced back to him, and he kind of falls on it. So it's just kind of the the funniest fumble luck there. He didn't do a whole lot in the fumble recovery, but he had a good game overall. Uh, all right, what you have something coming on the safeties? I think right. Yeah, I'm still in the middle of having to chart it out, so I want to make sure I'm as accurate as possible. But I made mention of this yesterday that we're seeing. In base packages in Pittsburgh's 3-4, Keanu Neal primarily plays safety opposite of Minka Fitzpatrick. And then in nickel, you're seeing Casey come on. So there's a you know really interesting um, uh, rotation there. If I can try to find my uh, notes, I have something uh, that I shouldn't have on right now for, uh, for charting this thing. But um, you are seeing a, a really interesting division of labor when it comes to safety. What do you think about the play of the, 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 the top three? Uh, I thought it was fine overall. You know, they're rotating and, you know, Mink is buzzing down. So that's good to see. That's going to be in his wheelhouse for sure. Um, you know, Casey's a guy that loves to hit. I, I think I, I made a note that him and Elaine and Roberts are the are the pile movers. When they hit people, the pile moves back. You know, guys stop. You don't fall forward when Casey and Elaine and Roberts hit you. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, overall, the the top guys look pretty good. I want to give, give me one second here to pull up right. the uh, the data on on the safety rotation, but I will have. Um, kind of a breakdown for this uh, on the site. What were your thoughts on the safety, Steve? Uh, I, once again, I, I thought they all, for, uh, all played very well, uh, especially for as long as they were in the game there. Uh, when you get into some of the, the back-end uh, stuff there, some of that shoulder tackling has to go. They got to wrap up. Uh, who was it? Trent Thompson about 
I thought he was going to get knocked out of that game. I think with, 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 with one of those that he had, uh, Kenny Robinson needs to square up better. Those guys just better, uh, out in space. I think, uh, uh, just, you know, they, they need to bring their feet and, 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 and wrap up, you know, and, and roll with some of those tackles instead of just trying to, to shoulder tackle overall. I think we both agree that, uh, miles Killebrew, uh, is going to make it, I guess, technically as a safety, even though he's a special teamer, the only real question, I think at this point, when it, you know, assuming all these guys stay healthy and we'll have to see if Trey, uh, Trey Dorwood can get on the field, man, you want to talk about a guy, and I think you wrote this up guys missing time or whatnot, uh, uh, that have hurt themselves. Trey, Trey Norwood. It's very unfortunate, especially with the way you talked about the start of camp that he had. He needs to get on the field in this last preseason game. Uh, mm. uh, I, I, I think for sure. Uh, now within that, I don't think, I don't think Kenny Robinson's done anything overly amazing outside of training camp, uh, to force your hand to, 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 to keep him. Yeah, the question is, will they just keep four safeties? Right. That's kind of, I think, where we're both trending right now. Right. And and let's see, what did Kenny Robinson do on uh, special teams in this game? He played 11 snaps. He played 12 snaps in, on special teams in the first game. Kenny Robinson did. He played 11 uh, this, this, this past week. And he played, he was core pretty much, I think, all, all the way around there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been the in-stadium stuff's not been as impressive as the camp stuff. I still think he's practice squad likely, but he's faded from the odds of making the 53. Right. I, I would be, I this lines up with kind of the way my last 53 was. And I, 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 I did you keep five safeties or no? No, I went four in the last one. All right. You went six cornerbacks as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we had the same right. DB configuration. Right. right. So there's nothing to, to, to make me think that it, Especially with Riley, be, you know, having some position flexibility, if you will, I, it still feels like it's shaking, uh, shaping up that way. I would like to see Trey Norwood get back on the field against the, the Falcons, though, and make a charge at this thing. And Tomlin hinted that Norwood should be able to play, and for his sake, he better be able to. So I think he'll be out there. Uh, pulling up the the data on the safety situation, yeah, in the first quarter. So just with the starting defense, whenever Pittsburgh went nickel, it was Casey and. Fitzpatrick, and then whenever it was base 3-4, it was uh, Neil and Fitzpatrick, and then he mixed in some of that big nickel, the three safety looks, too. How many snaps did they do on that? Let me check here. Looks like two snaps on the uh, big nickel safety package that, uh, by that point, uh, Minka was out of the game. Kenny Robinson came in, but Minka just obviously will, will, will substitute for Kenny Robinson, so mixing and matching everything, but it sounds like in the regular season, you know, in, in, in base 3-4, it's going to be Neil and Fitzpatrick and in Nick, well, it's going to be Casey and Fitzpatrick. Okay. Uh, what about corners in this game? You just had a nice film room on Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. To see his debut. I think it was good overall. I mean, it was kind of, you know, in his wheelhouse, it was a lot of press man. It was a lot of bump and run type of coverage. Uh, the interception broke that down. You had the article with the quote on Porter and, you know, talking about the coaching points that uh, the coaches had just given him about rerouting the receiver out of bounds. Look for the ball. It's going to be there. That's exactly what happened on that play. But even some of the other reps, I thought his patience, um, some of these foot fires that wide receivers like to do off the line, you know, he didn't bite. Uh, I thought overall, you know, not a ton of snaps, but but a good showing. I didn't uh, I haven't really gone nuanced into him, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of one of the, uh, the concerns about him was, uh, was, was the clutching and, and, and all like that. Uh, did, 
what'd you see about kind of his hand usage or, or did you go that nuanced? Uh, no, I did. I mean, the first thing I noticed, and and I still hear his voice in my head, defensive backs coach Grady Brown, he's always telling these guys, high hands, high hands in their press coverage. And so you see Porter with his hands up high and you know, basically every single snap very much a coaching point there. Uh, but I think to, to your uh, comment about, you know, as he kind of grabby downfield, there was one early in the game, I think on the third down, the one where Allen ran around where he maybe was, there was a lot of some, some contact there with Gabe Davis, but you know, Porter's just going to have to find the line between using the size, using his length, but not being overly grabby. I didn't see it as a big problem though in this game. I don't think he was, okay. you know, uh, overly grabby or anything like that. All right. And the thing with him now is continue to get those coaching points. And as Mike Tomlin said, after the, after the game, you know, we can't, we can't get him enough snaps. So they, they, they obviously want to push him along in this thing as quickly as possible and get him on the field, uh, as much, uh, as early as possible, uh, you know, throughout his rookie season here, but, you know, Levi's been, you know, I think as you stated, you know, really, really consistent. You, you kind of know what you get with Pat Pete, uh, back there, which, uh, shout out Pat Pete, if you're listening, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I thought Chandler Sullivan, that was a hell of a damn play <laughs> uh, that he made on the interception there. I think, right, I mean, it's, it's really is – this battle this battle really has shaped up better than than what I initially thought it would, would going into, like, OTAs and stuff like that, right? You know, uh, I was kind of worried about the, 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 the Chandler Sullivan signing initially. Uh, there, but it feels like he's meshing in. It feels like generally he's had a good camp. I mean, they both made plays during camp, right? Even though Chandon primarily ran with 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 the first team in in slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Uh, they were rotating early in camp, and then by the end, it was basically Sullivan first team, Riley second team. I think both have done well. I think both have good odds to make the fifty three. I, I just know that Sullivan, you know, he was you know one of the worst corners last year. And so, you know, how much is, does his preseason now override that? I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but I know his track record's not been one of a, a great corner, but I think Pittsburgh at least has more clarity at slot corner than, than, I mean, obviously where they were, you know, three months ago. Who do you view as the better off the edge coming? Between Riley and Sullivan? Right. Riley, for sure. I mean, he's the safety type is more downhill. I mean, Sullivan can play it a little bit, but, but Riley, Riley to me is still that better rundown type of corner. All right, and how much do you think we'll see maybe Pat Pete coming off the edge if he's in in the slot? I mean, he did it a, a couple times in camp. Um, you know, probably not a, not a ton because he will kick inside and so some of those third and long situations where it's a bit more coverage oriented. Um, he may blitz you know a time or two, but probably not not a terrible amount of times. Do you feel better about this? Uh, let's say they keep the six. How do you feel about this six versus the six uh, that they went into last season, or was it six? I can't remember how many they kept initially. Wasn't it five last? uh, That's going to bug me now. uh, I mean, we can go through Sutton, Wallace, Witherspoon, Millette. That's four. Pierre's five. Did they keep a six? I don't know if they kept six behind Let's see. uh, Witherspoon, Sutton. Well, they used Norwood uh, uh, in a slot to uh, I think to open that game last year. Uh, let's see specific corners. It was Witherspoon, Sutton. Uh, it was Wallace, Millette, Pierre. And that's the five I'm looking and that's at. That's it. Yeah. They kept five corners, five safeties last year. And as you said, Norwood, you know, could be using the slot. Right, right. 
Um, I do want to mention the Steelers dime package and just to, to get the names out there, um, said it a, a moment ago, but the six uh, DBs, Porter and Wallace as the outside corners, Porter left corner, Wallace right corner, Patrick Peterson in the slot, and then, you know, basically Casey and Minka as your two traditional safeties with uh, Neil kind of more floating and kind of a dimebacker-ish type of role, but those were the 60 Bs, which is basically what I expected it to be and what they were showing in camp. All right, good call. Anything else here? Anything other thoughts? Defensively, special teams. I'm kind of working through special teams tape. Uh, almost had one block punt. I think Atlanta Roberts might have missed an assignment there that uh, Pittsburgh kind of got away with, but overall, the specialists look good. The, the Gunners, Fitzpatrick and Boykin, they were really solid, so good stuff all around. All right, I actually looked at a little punting, Alex. Hey, uh, yeah. what'd you think? Yeah, uh, look, I mean, I think, uh, and if you look statistically, if you just look at the box score, what uh, what, what Presley Harvin uh, the third did on, on Saturday night, you probably say, Oh man, not, 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 not good. Cause yeah, I, I think, uh, on paper it was what, uh, 30, hold on to your my notes, 38.2 average. You look at that, you, <laughs> uh, you wonder what the hell happened there, but you know, obviously you have to go a lot more nuanced in there, uh, because he had five punts in this game and the statistics are, are obviously a bit deceptive. Uh, because of where he was punting from on the field. Three of those five punts, Alex, came with the original line of scrimmage being on the build side of the field. And his long punt Saturday night was 52 yards, and that one was from uh, the Steelers' 40-yard line. And it was fielded by uh, by the Bills at the 8-yard line, and that was the play that Des Fitz, Fitzpatrick uh, had kind of that shoestring tackle on that only went for two yards. Uh, he had, let's see, all five of those landing within the Bills 20 yard line. There's nothing wrong with that. And someone tried to point out, yeah, but didn't he have a 20 something, uh, uh, yard punt in that game? Well, yeah, he did. But, uh, uh, I think that was from like the Bills, what 39 yard line and it was fair caught at the 10. So there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the only thing that I bet Mike Tomlin would have liked to have seen at, 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 the expense of his offense at some point in this game would have been Harvin backed up in his own end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an open field type of punt. I think the most impressive thing I've seen from Harvin, I know there's so much focus on consistency, and there's been some good, some bad on that. I think he's but but in stadium, you know, in this game I thought it was very consistent. But even in practice, and it's 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 tough to judge punters in practice because there's no rush and there's no intensity really, but those I don't want to call him coffin corner because that's an antiquated term, but you know what I mean? Like the pin deep type of punts that he had in this game. I thought Harvin was really good, much better than man in those situations when they would rep it. When they go in the punting period in training camp, they usually do one or two punts from uh, Pittsburgh's own 40 as kind of to simulate the, the, the pin deep type punts. And then they do stuff with more open, uh, open field type punts. And I thought Harvin was much more consistent than, than man was. And, and I think it kind of carried over into this game. I don't know how Mike Tomlin is going to ha- handle his punters uh, in this game. My my gut tells me he'll let each of them uh, have opportunities, I think. However, comma, I think he will be selective of when that happens. I think he's itching to get, once again, I, I think he would like to see Harvin, because the man punt against Tampa out of the end zone went for 50-something yards, but it wasn't a great punt. It was, yeah, uh, ne- go ahead. 
it was a it was a, a low line driver, and luckily, you know, wasn't fielded on the hop, and it ended up uh, getting I don't know what was it like thirteen yards or fourteen yards of bounce on that, and I obviously hopped in the right direction there. Uh, I just it wasn't a great you know. Uh, on paper, it looks it looked a lot better than 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 it did on the tape there. So uh, I would think if Mike Tomlin gets the opportunity to have Presley Harvin a third, because isn't that some most of the problems I think where what Harvin's had as part of his consistency is punts uh, deep in the Steelers' own end where he's been. So one time he'll boom a sixty yarder, and the other mm-hmm. time he'll boom a, a thirty seven yarder. You know. Yeah, I'd have to study where where that might have shown up the most, but you're right. I mean, I know the even the net in this game for Harvin probably didn't look good given the situation, but the name of the game, generally speaking, NFL is like inside the 20s, avoiding touchbacks and net yardage. And net yardage is not just a punting term, it's a coverage term, but those are the numbers. So if you have a 50-yard punt that rolls in the end zone, you get you know 30 yards net, whatever the case is, that's not good enough. And so the net yardage... And I think the inside of 20 numbers are the big metrics to look at when you're judging the punting unit. And then obviously, look, I mean, every once in a while, you're going to you're going to have to have your your uh, your your gunners get down there and make a play, too. Right. Because uh, and that's what happened in this game against the Bills, too. You got a good mm-hmm. good one inside the, the, the 20 there. Uh, and you hope that your gunners can get down there and keep that thing out of the end zone. Yeah, because if Miles Boykin didn't make that crazy dive, that may have been a touchback. That may have rolled in. It's hard to say for sure. So, I mean, Boykin did that. Fitzpatrick had that great uh, tackle that, you know, helped preserve net. I'm sure the net, net yardage on that play, what was it? I'm sure it was really good. You know what the net yardage on that? Uh, on, on which one? The one where Des Fitzpatrick made the tackle and kind of that longer punt. Uh, I think it was a oh, well, punt. Oh, uh, it was, that was the 51 yarder. Uh, right. so, and it was a return to two. So I think, uh, what 49, 49, right? that's a, that's elite net. I mean, you're talking, you know, top net averages. I'd have to check the numbers, but they probably sit around 45 yards or so. And again, that's unit reflection, not just punter reflection, but if you're getting 49 y- yards net, I mean, you're getting tremendous. And, and, and on that Boykin play, just to kind of mention that briefly, you get Nerd. the great, <laughs> you get that play. And then two plays later, you get the Joey Porter interception, which turns into the Connor Hayward touchdown. And so. I bet you if Boykin doesn't make that play, you get a touchback there. There's no Joey Porter interception. There's no Hayward touchdown. I know it's just preseason, but you go up 14 nothing to 21 nothing before the half. I mean, those are all just big, big plays. And so Pittsburgh really won the field position battle well, I think, on both sides of the ball. But even the um, Miles Killebrew block, you know, that's a, a chance where Buffalo's trying to pin Pittsburgh deep. And because of the partial block there, it's at the 25 where it bounced to. And so instead of being backed up inside your 10, you're at the 25, you got decent field position. I mean, hidden yardage is is, is such an underrated factor in, in the game of football. Absolutely. Make them go as long as they have to go, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick on Riley. Riley's the better special teamer than Sullivan, right? I mean, that, that that's an understood. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much Sullivan even played. I think he was on kick coverage. Do you have snap counts on Riley versus uh, Sullivan? Uh, I can. If you give me I know this. Sullivan was running down kicks, and I'm pretty sure Riley was too. But Riley Sullivan is not on punt team, and uh, Riley's one of the wings. I will tell you this: that uh, Riley. Oh, I'm, I I switched off. I went back to to last year's game. I love. It. Let me pull it up here real quick. But I would say, yeah, Riley is the better special teamer. Um, and I think. And we can talk about it more once you look up the number. If they keep six, I don't think all six corners are going to be active. I guess Sullivan would be inactive until there was an injury that would uh, give him a hat. Uh, Sullivan played seven special team snaps in this game, along with 14 defense. And Riley... Probably was in that 11 range. 
12. Roddy had 11. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, but I said, would you, if, if they kept all those guys as, as the six corners, would Sullivan be inactive? That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I, yeah. I, I think there's a good chance that because I think Roddy's a better special teams player. Yeah. And Peterson's going to kick inside on coverage downs. And so you need Sullivan's coverage skills a little bit less if Peterson's going to do that. Okay. All right. That's all I got from the all 22. Yeah. We're going to continue to watch a good conversation. They got a lot of good. Good uh, information there. Anything else to uh, to cover, Dave? No, I think we'll get to, uh, we promise to get to some of these reader emails, right? Yeah. And just a reminder, we do have a live stream tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So you can uh, ask more questions, but we'll get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, football three writes in Dave and Alex. Thank you very much for all the coverage. It is something I always look forward to. I'm way more more excited for this season than I have been for a while. So many interesting players and stories to watch. Do you think the Steelers were trying to feature Gunner a lot in the second half of Saturday's game to try to build some trade value? Thanks, uh, Jay from Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I just think it was just part of, 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 of the rotation and all like that of trying to, you know, get guys to show what, what they can show. Look, I mean, Gunner is, uh, even though he played, you know, quite a bit last season, I mean, he's he's not, you know, he's he's not a guy that I think personally, I don't think a lot of teams would be looking at trading for Gunner uh, because you know what, this guy'd be good at wide receiver. You know, I, I think if, if, if there's any value, it's probably how the the Steelers initially. Uh, he is a high effort guy, but even some of that high effort gets him in trouble sometimes just because of his size, especially when it comes to the blocking aspect of it. And he's just not a guy. I don't think that you go out and say, you know what, we need a we need a fifth wide receiver here that can that can play in the slot that can also return. I I just don't view him as somebody that I think a lot of teams would be interested in. If if they were interested in him, it'd be for the return aspect where they lose a returner and they need somebody. I mean, he is a former all pro returner, believe it or not. That was like two or three years ago in New England. So that would be the value that he would have. No, I, I don't think he was playing to display trade value receiver depth. Uh, they needed some guys. You take your starters out. Hakeem Butler didn't play in this game. So they just need some some guys to finish out the game. And, and Gunner's always up for the job. Uh, let's see here from Bryce writes in, I know it's obviously early to talk about this, but if you were to put on your tinfoil hat, would you predict that Connor Hayward will evolve into a second contract guy? And if so, do you think his role will still accomplish, uh, encompass core special teamer? Thanks for all your coverage. Uh, oh man, that's, you got a guy only going into a second season here. I, I'll say this, uh, even, after his third season, which would be next year, I I I I find it hard to envision that you know he's going uh, uh, after the 2024 season. Connor would be going into his final year in 2025. Let's extend him. I I don't see that. Uh, if his second contract comes. I would envision that happening after his fourth and final rookie season and it being one of those situations once you go, you know, here's your market value, you're free to go test free agency, come back that this, this, this offers on, on the table. Now, look, I, we have spoke a lot about, you know, how this guy is kind of a flex and really position uh, uh, versatile and all and he's a good special teamer. But is it a kind of guy that you go out of the way to get a second contract on 
I, in other words, I think it's way too early to be talking about mm-hmm. it. You know, and he says, yeah, he knows it's early and all like that. But I would just guess right now that you won't see Connor Hayward on a second contract unless it's kind of along the lines of a minimal deal after his rookie rookie fourth year expires. As you're both saying, it's, you know, a million miles away, it feels like. So who the heck knows? My my sense is that, yes, because there's so much versatility and he's not going to cost that much because what what position is he trying to argue that he is? You know, he's not going to say I'm a top 10 tight end in the league because he's, you know, half a tight end, half a running back, half a whatever. So I don't think he'll cost too much. I think he'll, you know, always play on special teams and kind of have that in his arsenal. Um, let me ask you this, and this is an impossible question to know and, and kind of just following suit here. What Hayward is a stealer for longer, Cam Hayward or Connor Hayward? Who, who's who's donning the black and gold longer? Yeah, I don't want to go there. I don't want to <laughs> think right. about that. All right, fair <laughs> point. It's because I, I don't want to think about Cam uh, hanging I know. Up, so. That's going to be a tough day, Dave. How yeah. do you replace Cam Hayward? I mean, I and the I, team probably has to start thinking about that, but. I understand the question, but I don't even want to. I don't want to even think about that uh, uh, just yet here. Can can, uh, can I give you a just? I'm, I'm I know we're going very long here, and I apologize. I'm getting long winded today. Can I give you a, a stat that I'm kicking around? I'm going to write about this probably. I don't know sometime at some point when the NFL calendar slows down. Kim Hayward's 34 years old, correct? He's 34. Um, yeah. The the last interior defense lineman in football, 34 years or older. To record double-digit sacks in the season, do you know who it is? You had to guess. Thirty-four years older, interior defensive lineman, not an edge guy, who had ten or more sacks in the season. Hayward's had ten and ten and a half each of his last two years. Oh man, was it Reggie White? No, no, I, I probably still consider him more of a edge guy, but like okay. interior defensive tackle, I guess is how I should should phrase it. It was I, Warren Sapp in two thousand six. Wow. So if Cam Hayward can hit double-digit sacks again, he'll be the first interior defensive lineman to do so since Sapp in 06. And I believe, and I got to double-check the stats here, the only two who have done it since the uh, turn of the century are John Randall and Warren Sapp. So can Cam Hayward become that third guy? Hmm. Well, luckily, I tell you what, I I wouldn't put it past him this year if 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 everybody stays healthy. uh, Because... uh, who who somebody's got to eat <laughs> you oh, can't you know block, what you know what can't block them all you know, yeah. what, I'm, what i'm saying is i mean if, if what gets the kind of attention that you think he's going to get i mean sure what you still what in other words there and i've said this about highsmith too there's going to be some situations where there are some some tasty one-on-one battles uh for for some of these guys up front there yeah, there will be. But uh, interesting, uh, an early kind of stat of the weird for Cam Hayward, because I think he can hit double-digit sacks again. I mean, he's done it each of the last two years. But uh, history says 34 seems to be the time when these guys start to slow down. All right. Uh, uh, Greg Dunlap writes in, two first and goal. He says, are you rethinking bully ball at all? Two first and goal from the one in a row and had to settle for a field goal. Uh, we didn't appear to bully anyone in either game. Uh, look, Greg, I mean, we we talked earlier in the show uh, that that offensive line unit plus McFarlane uh, that they had in 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 the game against Buffalo down low. I mean, that's they just they want to see what those guys could do down there. I mean, if you you know, I I, I would I'd be more interested to see how something like that would have went with you had your starting five in there and Najee Harris, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in there. I don't think you can. 
I don't think you can have a huge takeaway as about rethinking bully ball based on that one, you know, red zone, deep, deep red zone trip. What was he? Is that what he referenced? Or was it just kind of more of, okay, you got picket airing it out and you got two, long two touchdowns, first, two first and goals from the one in a row had to settle for a field goal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to, to to judge that based off of backups is you really can't do that. Um, it, I mean, it hasn't felt like bully ball with the ones, but they've been they've been scoring so quickly. But right. I think do you still you, you still expect Pittsburgh to kind of be a ground based offense. This yeah, year, right? yeah. Look, look. Okay. And if anything, I mean, you have uh, great comfort that if, if 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 teams do you know bring the extra guy down, that, that maybe you have some some ability now to uh, counteract that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think Pittsburgh can be balanced. I think they're going to be, you know, personnel flexible and formation flexible, and that's going to present options, which is always good for an offense. Uh, Deshaun Campbell, sup guys. Um, you may touch on this, but I have to ask: Will Nick Herbig see enough opportunities on this team to have an impact? What would be considered a realistic amount of sacks for him? Four or five? And finally, he says, would you expect any money down? Uh, Rushman package, including him, Watt, and Highsmith. Well, we already kind of hit on, you know, will we see some instances uh, during games where maybe they have three outside? Yeah, I, I don't think that's, I, you know, mix, mix and match too when it, when it comes to these four. Uh, I, I think, I don't think obviously you're going to see it a lot, but uh, I, I think you have the four in there that you could have uh, some fun and putting three outside linebackers on the field in certain certain situations. As far as uh, uh, opportunities to have an impact, look, I tell you, from the start of the preseason alone, I, I think uh, Herbig's done enough that there there are going to be some instances where he will have opportunities. Period. Uh, realistic sack amounts. I mean that that's hard, but uh, uh, I think I just said earlier in the show I don't think he will have zero sacks as a rookie. And I, I'm tending to think he won't have less than three. Yeah, it's it's hard to put a number like you said. Definitely won't be zero. Um, yeah, I, I would say three sounds. Three sounds good to me. I mean, bar an injury, of course. Maybe gets yeah. on the field, gets more playing time, and all like that. But I think he's proven that. You know, he, he deserves some playing time. Uh, Devin Murphy writes in, hey, guys, love the podcast. I agree with 99% of your opinions. I love that you hate hard takes or being or are being controversial for the sake of it. I, I do think you're wrong about Najee versus Warren take. I'm a believer. I am a believer in fungibility, but watching tape makes me think you'll want to eat what you said on the Wednesday podcast. Sure, Warren has the edge. On pass protection, he says there are so many plays that Najee makes that Warren couldn't, like the TD against the Colts, explosive play against the Saints, TD catch versus the Ravens. What sticks out to me is the amount of draws, screens, and halfback dump-offs Warren had. Can you tell me what Warren's success rate was uh, minus draws? First of all, I think this might have came in Saturday at, Eight just probably came no, in. Poor timing on Nemo for that. Uh, uh, before before the Warren run uh, there. Look, I we we laid out a couple of shows ago, kind of what I think. Najee's a very hard runner. I think some of the stuff Najee does in the power running game and the stiff arms and the stuff like that uh, 
is a little bit different from, from what Warren has you. And yes, I mean, uh, some of the things I think not, I think we've gone out of our way though, to say that both Najee and Warren are good in, 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 in the passing game, as far as, I mean, go back to, to, to Najee's rookie season. I mean, he can catch the football out of the backfield. So can Warren, uh, there, uh, I think the explosive. I I think the explosiveness Warren offers you. Now look, he he went through that hole uh, untouched. You know, does does mm-hmm. not does Najee go sixty something yards to the house <laughs> on that? Uh, no, I don't want to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, why? I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he had that second gear that Warren showed there. Okay, so what do you think about Devin saying he thinks we're we're. We're, we're, look, there are a lot of, I think, hot takes out there right now that Warren should be, you know, mm-hmm. you know this, that, and the other. Uh, I, Al, neither Alex or I are, are, are saying that. The thing that we have said is that you got to find a way to get Warren on the field, field more. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to, to answer the question, we mentioned that I, at least I thought that Harris was a better receiver vertically on some of those. I, I said the Ravens game specifically, I think downfield you're seeing Harris make more plays there. And I should mention one other thing that I think Warren does better than, or excuse me, Harris does better than Warren ball security. Harris has had fantastic ball security. Warren does have the occasional fumbling issue um, less so than his rookie year in, in camp, but still maybe a little bit worse there overall. Uh, but I, I'm with Dave. I'm not trying to pick Najee Harris or Jalen Warren. I have an article. It's probably going to run tomorrow. It's already written. It's entitled Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and False Choices. This is not either or. This is both and, except both guys that can both help you win. And I don't see this as a rivalry or anything like that. There's a discussion to be had about you know playing times and splits and all that, but I'm not trying to make this where picking one guy over the other you can you can do both so uh, they can I'm, I'm make happy. each other better you know yeah uh, on top of it by by giving some of these guys some some plays off uh overall uh look Najee's going to play the higher percentage of snaps Najee's going to have the highest uh higher percent uh, percentage of of touches and all like that but uh you know I think our main takeaway has been Jalen Warren's done enough to warrant more snaps more more touches yeah, 100%. And Saturday was more evidence of that. Uh, Mark Edwards writes in, I know it didn't look good again for, for Kendrick Green, but it doesn't look like they are really wanting to give anyone else a chance during a game. You mentioned it would be malpractice if he was the backup center. They had a winning season and made the playoffs the year he was the starting center for 15 games. How do you go from starting center on a decent team to not worthy of a backup role? Did they just give him a ton of help that year or has he digressed that much? Thanks for all you do. Mark, I, uh, what, why was Kendrick green inactive all, all last year behind a guy like JC Hossenauer? You know, mm-hmm. uh, there is, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not just this. It isn't just been Dave picks on Kendrick green starting in his rookie season. And Alex jumps on, uh, I mean, there, there, there is a reason here, of uh, for this, uh, what happened last year you cannot ignore what happened last year with Kendrick Green. 
Or what happened is rookie year. Right. Look at the tape, not just the overall team results. They they won in spite of Green's play, not because of it. I mean, if that's the logic, then, hey, let's bring back Trey Turner at right guard and let's have rookie Dan Moore in there. And they made the playoffs, you know, that year and they, they got you know, blown out in the in the, uh, in the game there against uh, Cleveland. So uh, I look at the individual, not just the collective. And obviously Green's uh, play has been far worse than what Mason Cole has provided. And look, they are trying to give him as much burn as possible in these games, specifically at center. You know, to yeah, they're begging this guy to win the job or win the backup right. job when he's just saying uh, no, thank you. Right. So, I mean, that that would be our response to that, Mark. Uh, Michael writes in uh, my biggest worry uh, in the team not developing to its potential are the offensive tackles preventing Kenny's development and prosperity. That became less of a concern when they drafted Washington. I assumed or hoped it was uh, to assist the offensive tackles on a high percentage of offensive snaps. What what I haven't heard enough. Via these, uh, via those at camp, is just how frequent and well he is playing as a blocker next to the offensive tackles. I keep hearing about his hand size as a receiver, but that's gravy, not what can actually solidify this offense. My question to Alex is: If he had to throw out a number, what percentage of eleven on eleven snaps Washington played had him blocking next to our tackles, and how far above replacement level would you estimate his blocking was in these situations? Well, the second one, I have no idea how to how to best answer that. Um, it's not as much as you think. I mean, tight ends and pass protection as true pass protectors and not chippers, it doesn't happen a ton, especially in this age of guys that can run downfield and provide plays there. I know Washington did it occasionally. I remember one rep where Golden beat him, beat him to the inside. It was, you know, a pretty easy win there for Golden on Washington. So, I mean, in terms of true pass protection snaps that Washington had an 11 v 11 in camp, I, I don't know. It's not many. You can count on both hands a number of times, probably five, if that. Um, but he's going to be a chipper. But he was not drafted to help the tackles. I mean, that, that's going to be part of his game, but he was not drafted just to be a guy that would help the tackles. Right. Agreed. He, yo, now, look, is he going to be in line a lot? <laughs> Hell yeah, he is. He better be. Yeah, I mean, I assume he's asking about pass game when he says help the tackles more. I mean, obviously, he can be a run blocker, and that, that's huge for him. And, and as a chipper, he's going to be effective, but he's not staying in just to be a six offensive lineman, despite what his Instagram handle may say. Uh, let's see here. L- Luke writes in, only Dave... Only Dave estimates 28 snaps for a player. So let's, he's talking about Calvin Austin. So let's dive in deeper of of 28 Calvin Austin snaps. How many are jet sweeps, jet sweep fakes, slot routes, outside routes, regular runs to a running back, Austin line up at a running back. Amuse me. Oh man. (laughs) You uh, take this one, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. Geez. I, I'm not even going to, you know, we just trying to loosely trying to figure out a, how much, how much playing time in a game, uh, that he's good. I mean, I, when he's in the game, are you going to sh- see him on, on these jet sweeps and these and 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 uh, you know fake jets jet sweeps? Absolutely. I, I'm not. I'm not even going to begin to 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 guess. I mean, he, here's you know one thing he 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 doesn't mean he has slot routes out here. Uh, man, I'm not even going to. I wouldn't even know where to start trying to break down. You know where he's lined up at and the kind of, kind of routes, you know, we're, we're going to see on that. All I know is that you've got a guy that is fully healthy uh, here. You got a guy that you know, I think you can move around the field uh, and, 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 and play him at the different positions and a guy that should be able to produce those 
well-needed explosive plays. You know, how, how about it go, goes about happening on a, on a breakdown of percentage? I, I don't know how that's going to go. We'll obviously get an idea once, once we get, you know, four or five, six games into this thing, but I, I'm sorry. I, I can't even amuse you to try to guess what that would look like. I'll give the Dave Bryant answer of yes. I mean, he's going to yeah. do it all and it's going to vary and how much in one game to another may depend on a couple different factors, but he's going to, he's going to do a lot of stuff for this offense. Uh, we'll run along. I want to get one, one more in here. Uh, Todd says, very thankful for you going to camp. Alex, your camp analysis has been what I look forward to every day. Question. Do you make the drive daily? How long does it take? Question two, the Steelers had one of the best drafts in recent years. I think everyone agrees. If none of the top four picks start Jones, Porter, Benton, or Washington, what does that say? He says Steelers are just way too conservative about rookies getting on the field. The incumbents have outperformed expectations. The, the, the incumbents have outperformed expectations. Uh, oh, he's got A, B, or C. The Steelers are just way too conservative about getting rookies on the field. B, the incumbents have outperformed expectations. C, they whiffed. He says, as fans, we all want their new picks to get on the field, but winning is most important. What percentage of snaps for the for at least the top three should we be happy to accept? Todd, my first answer is you should be happy to accept them winning ball games <laughs> uh, and whatever looks that looks like. I. I don't, they are going to get Jones, you know, Jones, it might, it Jones depends on obviously more, uh, uh, and how that goes at the start of the season. Even so I Jones is going to end up at the left tackle position sooner rather than later. In my opinion, in, 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 in 2023, I don't think it's an indictment on him by not winning the week one left tackle spot. Porter, I, I, I've got a feeling you're going to see him quite a bit uh, out of the shoot. Uh, Benton probably as well too, although I bet Mike Tomlin wishes he would have had him full go in this game against Buffalo, so maybe that's pushed him back just a tad here. Washington, you're going to see him on the field as well too. So uh, is Todd worrying about too much about early season quote unquote starter snaps for some of these guys. Yeah, I'm not too concerned. I mean, Jones may be a true backup, but the other guys are going to play. They're going to rotate. So yeah, you may not technically be a starter, may not get that box check next to your name each week. But if you're rotating in and making an impact, you know, who cares if you're starting or not? And all those guys, Porter, Benton, Washington should play, should see reps and, and hopefully contribute positively to this team. Um, and, and listen, this team has played their rookies aggressively. I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett coming in probably earlier than people thought last year. Uh, George Pickens playing a ton. Fryermuth, uh, Harris, Moore, Green, that, that 2021 class all played right away. Um, so I, I think Pittsburgh has really, you know, played their rookies much sooner than later. To answer the first question, yes, I make the drive to camp each day. And it's about 45 minutes. All right. How long have we gone here, Alex? Uh, very long. So probably a good time to wrap this thing up. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex uh, underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. 
Upright navigational bar. Also, ad-free version of the site, cedarsdepot.com. Hit the ad-free button. We're doing a YouTube live stream on the Alex Kazora YouTube channel uh, Monday tonight uh, at, at 7 Eastern time. We invite everybody to join there and try to try to answer as many questions as we can from listeners, have some good conversations there. And we will be back with the next version of this podcast on Wednesday morning. Uh, start previewing the uh, game against the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night. As always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.